Welcome to Chasing Life, episode 14 for July 4th. Pew, pew. Happy America Day. Happy America Day. And happy Canada Day for most of our listeners. Yeah. We started recording this yesterday on what, what some take as the holiday for Canada Day. We tried. We got 40 seconds in. <laughs> I, I, saw, I looked at the time code this morning. It's the first time we've actually stopped an episode and then recorded on a different day. We've yeah. restarted a couple. Poor Maya. So our newest No, hold on. I'm going to stop you there because that's not true. Because there was one day, I think we tried to record um, Ruby's birth story. Can you turn my mic up just a little bit? We we tried to record um, Ruby's birth story and I wasn't ready and I couldn't stop crying. That's right. I had to circle back. Um, But yesterday, Maya... Maya's had a couple of weeks. Yeah. So Maya's had to do a lot of big girl things in the last two weeks. Like move into a house and got her first car got her first little her car got its first kiss <laughs> she called in a panic about a week and a half ago that was last she, that was like thursday she hit a <laughs> cart corral at the grocery store and <laughs> poor kid she was so upset and then yesterday she picked up a what she called a bolt i'm like no it's not a bolt it's a nail was it a nail I don't know. I didn't see it because oh. she threw it. By the time, so she was like oh, she was in a, in a half mile that she drove, she threw it. So I all I saw was a hole. So I went to go assess the situation. Poor kid. No tire iron in her car. So I had to come back and get tools. Brought my jack with me, but there was no tire iron in the car, which one would assume that there's a tire iron. She was just beside herself. But I just like I said this to you last night, but I think it bears repeating. Like. In both of those instances where she needed help, she called you. Yep. She didn't call me. <laughs> she didn't call me first and then call you. Nope. You were her first phone call. She certainly yeah, so, it was. So, um, I think it's safe to say she's a daddy's girl. Yeah, well, for now, anyways. <laughs> um, no, she's. Uh, so I had to go assess that situation and try to put a plug in the tire, and the hole is too big, so I ended up getting a plug in it but it wouldn't hold there enough well, that she took my truck i was able to get at home because it's only a couple kilometers from and the again house. our procrastination is rewarded <laughs> so i used to drive a jetta maya just bought a jetta one year newer than your car and i had to write my car off so in the winter time because i hit a deer and so i had my winter tires on so when my car was scrapped and we did it tires. Had, we did tires and rims, full wheels. Yeah, so it had my winter tires on, like winter rims, and we still had my good rims yeah. here because so again, when... we don't throw anything away. <laughs> so oddly enough, it it was a good fit for Maya's car. Yeah. So we, I brought, I got it home last night. It was already. I mean, I was changing a tire in the gas station parking lot at nine thirty. So when I got home, I just parked the car, and I'm like, well, we'll see what happens by morning. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, I didn't mean to go outside. I looked out the window, and it was dead flat right on the rim. So. So you put one of my old Jetta tires on. So I jacked on. it up. Put one of your. T- I, well, first, I, I I jacked it up a little bit so it wasn't sitting on the rim. Mm-hmm. I read the code off of it. It came over, and it was a dead ringer. Mm. Um, the rims are different, but the tire's the same. The bolt pattern is the same. Bolt pattern's the same. It's a different style of rim, but otherwise it's like, it just looks different. So now she's rolling with one, one odd shoe, but, uh, it went on. I drove it over to her, dropped it off, traded back vehicles because she went home and took my truck. I brought it here. A little bit of a musical, musical vehicles. I dropped it off to her car off, took my truck, and now I'm going to take that wheel. I'm going to take her tire I'm going to go get the tire swap because I don't, I think that hole's too big. I don't think they can patch that. I'll no, just get a new just tire get a put new on tire it. Mounted. And then I think what I'm going to do. What do the other three tires look like? Are they in decent shape? No, they're yeah. starting to get just like get dry rot from sitting. Yeah. Um, no, I think what I'm going to do is take those ones and put full winners on them. Oh, on my old rims. Yeah. And then I'm going to drop them off at their house. So we don't have many more that she can store them at her house. Modern problems require modern <laughs> solutions. <laughs> and then, uh, so she'll have a good set of winners on there too because... We live in Canada, and even though down in southern Ontario here, we don't get a ton of winter. She should have winter tires if she's driving back yeah. and forth to school. Yeah, she's going to have to go clear across London to go to school. So she's uh, she'll be putting 40, 40, 45 kilometers on every morning, so or twice a day, once, once there and back. So yeah, in the winter, I'd like her to have real winters because I've said this for a long time. I swear by winter tires. A cheap set of winter tires is better than, than the most expensive, expensive set, set of, of all seasons. seasons. Yeah. Like, it, as I said, like, I, I do believe in having two sets of tires and save the money on all seasons and buy a set of tires, like cheap rims with a good, with like moderate winter tires, as much as you can afford. I would just like 10% winter right now because it is hot. 
you're not Canadian if you don't complain about oh. the heat in the summer and the cold in the winter. It's like... Well, and, and the rain we've had in the last little while. Yeah, the rain. So the humidity is a million. But also, we're in the tack room. There is no window. There's no fan. There's... It's like... It's, it's dead air. stifling in here. It's brutal. Yep. It's pretty nasty. Um. So every time I hop on the tractor, I cost us money. <laughs> What'd you do now? <laughs> I was, I thought I was doing something good. So I, we knocked down the one pasture for Ruby because, so we'll, we'll yeah, we'll end Tall up. Tall grass talk, gets too high. We'll end up talking about this in a second. So we need to rotate her pasture and the tall grass was getting a little bit too tall. So we knocked it down with the mower and I thought, well, I've got the mower deck on and I'm in the, the mood to cut grass and the boys are sleeping. I'm going to go mow the pasture behind. All the, of the other spaces that yeah. overgrow. Well, and that can tolerate the the mower deck like you kind of need a bit of space to mow with the mower deck you can't get into tight spaces with the mower deck and it doesn't do a nice job of your lawns you're not using you're not using that thing for a lawn it's a swirl cutter so it's like it doesn't do a real great job but anyway i thought well i'll knock down the tall grass in behind the gym the pasture that's in behind the gym and over in the side by the other gardens yeah so my first pass I cut the cord for the Starlink internet satellite space. I don't remember what I was doing. X. But I came across and I looked over and I could see the Starlink. I could see the satellite dish and I could see the path that you mowed. And I saw you over farther away and I was like. I caught it on the first pass. I was like. And you came over and you just held up a section of the the cord. It's in like five pieces. Yeah. I did a good job. And we have the first gen Starlink, so you can't get a cable for it. So I don't know how we're going to fix this. Luckily, that's not our primary internet right now. Yeah. We were going to take it over to the girl's house, but. So (laughs) I did that. Starlink has a discount on new systems right now. Mm -hmm, I think I saw that. We won't get that in discount because we're existing customers, but I think we might be able to get it. I'm not an existing customer. Technically, we're not an existing customer here. I'd have to cancel my account and then start a new one, which wouldn't be a big problem, but I would like to just let it roll right through. So we'll see. I'm going to, you can't buy cables. You have to message support and I might just see if they'll cut a discount for a new system because then you get the new generation system because that was going to be the internet for the girl's new house. Blame it on me. Listen, guys, my... Your what? My wonderful partner was doing a huge favor in mowing the pasture and accidentally, by no fault of her own... Listen, I saw the satellite. It didn't... The cable didn't even... It's wireless. Well, there's no cables. No, like I just... It didn't like register that I should be watching out for the cable. Like, I was like, oh, I'll move the dish when I get there. I mean, if I had seen you going over that, I, I was not... I don't remember what I was doing, but I was not aware of you mowing over there you were just kind of toddling around the yard because the boys were inside i was cleaning up in here wasn't i i kind of think that you're in the hammock sleeping no i was absolutely not in the hammock sleeping (laughs) i can guarantee you i was not in the hammock sleeping so i what do we want to talk about first ruby and the trouble she gave us this week i don't know what else did you have well i have a list but Ruby gave us a little bit of, I don't know, not a scare, kind of a scare. Um, sh- her milk production has been steadily declining kind of since we, so we went from like 16 to 20 liters a week down to like 8 to 10 liters a week down to like, or sorry, a, a, not a week, a day. Sorry. We were day. getting 16 four, to 20 four or six a day. twice a day. You're getting eight or 12 liters a day. Yeah. And then it just tailed right off. I went away on Wednesday to take Olivia to go to Toronto to see Hamilton for her birthday. Um, and I was getting nothing. And you got nothing on Wednesday night. Like and the then bottom of the bucket was wet. I was kind of hopeful that when I milked her on Thursday morning that she, or sorry, Thursday evening, because I didn't get back until late on Thursday. So you got nothing Wednesday night, nothing Thursday morning. And I, I get, thought... I got like 250 mils. Yeah. She's just being stubborn. She's holding up for me. I got nothing on Thursday night. So I'm now I'm kind of getting a little bit concerned because the strip cup is a little bit stringy. I'm starting to wonder if maybe she's got mastitis. So just I, kind of like... I had a little bit of that when I milked her the one time. 
I didn't get much volume out of her, but I did have, when I stripped her out, the one quarter had some chunks in it. Mm-hmm. So I tried milking two of the quarters. Lionel was on the front, le- front left. I tried milking back, left, front, right. And I was hand milking mm-hmm. the other one. And I got a couple hundred milliliters out of it. Yeah. By hand. And but it was... Like milliliters. Like yeah, little like, little bit. Yeah, little like tiny a bit. half inch in the bottom of a strip cup. So then... Then you're kind of like running through your head all of the things that could be going on. You know, we did it. We have a mastitis test kit. So we ran a mastitis test kit and it was positive. I think I did that Friday night or yeah, it must have been Friday night. She certainly had mastitis. Yeah. So like what happens when you run the mastitis test? Um, You milk a little bit of milk from each quarter into a paddle and then you put this dye in it and you swirl it around and almost immediately if there's mastitis like a high somatic cell count um it'll get like jelly like kind of uh slimy thickens yeah slimy a little bit um and so that happened almost immediately to the milk that came out of her back right quarter so then you kind of go into like panic mode like okay well we want we don't want to give antibiotics so what are our options as far as you know getting her cleared up and like keep in mind she's not milking like everything that I read was like keep her keep her stripped out like keep the milk flowing and literally no milk is coming out of that back right quarter no milk is coming out of the back left quarter now and then like and, in the and past next to nothing out of at, yeah in the past she's been holding up the front half for the calf so we wouldn't get much out of the front half anyway and we kind of just resigned that like He's that's taken, that's right? not a problem she's gonna like lionel will take care of that well, and, 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 or, and or, or vice versa that they were out together and he had been taking care of it and there's nothing left mm-hmm. so there's just i think this was just the perfect storm of factors and then i'm looking at her her body and she's looking quite thin like through her her hips and her ribs like when the vet was out after lionel was born he said you know Jerseys tend to be a little bit leaner anyway, and they look a little bit more um, skeletal. Three ribs are okay to be able to see three back ribs, but more than that, and she's under-conditioned. So now we're seeing ribs four and five. We're seeing her short ribs up top. Her pin bones are very sharp looking. Her tail head is sunken. So like all signs are leading to her just really needing some help. Um She's eating and drinking fine still by this point. So it's just a matter of like getting more into her. Her stool was a little bit loose. Um, she didn't seem to be lethargic. She was no, still getting she was out. Still pretty she was still perky. grazing a little. Her, her demeanor hadn't changed. So like these are all positive things that were just kind of like racking our brain what was going on. And then we started wondering like, okay, well, did she pick up a little bit of a bacterial infection because we grazed her too close to the chickens out on the field, which I think is a distinct possibility. Like yeah. when I talked to Brad, who... Um, we Brad is the farmer that we bought her from. I think everybody knows that by this point if they've been following along. But he also does like rotational grazing. So he has laying hens that, you know, rotate the pastures behind the cows. And so I asked Brad, like, what, how What's quickly, the overlap? yeah, how quickly do you put the cows back on pasture that the chickens have been on? And he said six weeks. And I mean, we were moving that chicken tractor while Ruby was out in that field. Yep. So like she was on the pasture at the same time as the chickens. So given her love of chicken food, I imagine that she would have been like pretty close to the ground trying to clean up spilled chicken feed and probably got into some chicken poop. Oh yeah. So I ordered some um, deworming herbs from the States that I'll have shipped to our um, shipping receiving place like the they receive package for Canadians that don't ship to the U.S. so I'll hop the border and go pick that stuff up and so I got um, some deworming herbs from one place and then I got some um, mastitis treatment herbs from a different place and both like come highly recommended by some of our people homesteading people that we follow like justin rhodes uses both of those products um vaughn family farm uses both of those products so just to have in our toolkit like i think we're kind of over the hump now i've been getting a little bit more milk out of her um the other thing we did was separate her and lionel so got the stall cleaned out 
Girls, girls moved their stuff out, so now we got some room. So Lionel got his own room. Moving to the north side. <laughs> and uh, we separated them. And then, so today is Tuesday. Yesterday would have been the first morning. So Sunday night, we separated them. And then Monday morning, I milked Ruby. And I got six liters off of her, which is the most that we had gotten out of her in a week. Yeah. And the strip club was clear and the filter was clear. So no more stringy milk. So I think like it's going to take a bit to get her back on track because six liters still isn't quite what she would be up to producing. But um, just kind of keeping her, making sure she's out on pasture, make sure she's got lots of water. She seems to be refusing her grain a little bit um, the second time that we give her grain at nighttime. So I think tonight we got some alfalfa cubes to give a try. So we'll see. Going to beef her up a little. Just give her, get her eating a little bit more and milking her a little bit less. And I think that'll get her on track together with like the treatment, like the herbs, just kind of, you know, give her a, a little bit of a boost with those deworming herbs to kind of get her back on track. And I don't know. We'll see. I was ready to pack it in. I had her sold last week, like Thursday, Friday. I was like, even, even into Saturday morning, I was like, we are so in over our heads. Like I didn't know what to do I didn't know what was wrong I didn't want to call the vet again because I was like man this like I I don't even know what to say to the vet the other thing that I did was um I made a comfrey poultice like picked a half a bucket of comfrey leaves put it in the blender with olive oil and peppermint oil and like religiously and profusely rubbed that on her udder because she did have two kind of like which felt like plug ducks high in her udder. So just kind of like massaging that as we were milking and like massaging it down and putting the comfrey on it. And and I think the other thing that was happening is Lionel was really carving up her teats with his teeth. Because he's not getting any Because he wasn't it. getting milk. So he's he did some damage there. So I made a comfrey salve before with beeswax and olive oil and comfrey leaves. So I was putting that on her teats and then rubbing the the comfrey poultice like high on her udder like just caking it on so that it could sit on all night and I don't know like I I can't say what worked but things are looking up we're on the upswing so that's good but I was not super pleased last week like just kind of questioning like okay we have a cow that isn't milking we have chickens that aren't laying eggs we don't have meat birds in the freezer what are we doing like what are we doing and Le- it, learning learning but like man yeah some expensive lessons and like so we milk a cow for six weeks and then she dries up and we don't have milk so i'm <laughs> googling like is my jersey cow dry after six weeks and like, then i'm trying to like rationalize with myself she's not dry because lionel's still nursing just such a like mental gymnastics around trying to like talk myself off the ledge and reach out to the people who can help like one of our members is a dairy farmer and she came for class on Saturday morning and had a look at Ruby and we were kind of texting back and forth a little bit and she kind of said like no she looks she still looks good like she's perky she's nursing she or she's she's grazing she's drinking she's eating her demeanor is fine like just keep doing what you're doing. And I think like that's the reassurance that I need. That's the reassurance that makes me feel like I'm I'm not like I'm not in over my head and I'm going to fuck this up. So I don't know. I like so, I, I hate ca- I hate calling people to say like, hey, reassure me, validate me that I am doing this right. Because like someone somewhere f- figured it out. Yeah, and I mean, this is the interest. I said this actually because so I called to order that silage wrap today, and I said to her, "I'm like, we're kind of like we're in the weird spot here." She's like, "Well, like, how fast do you need this?" I'm like, "A couple of weeks." Like, we're not desperate for it. We're reason. Do you want to know when second cut's going to be ready? (laughs) But so I said, like, not for a little while yet. I said, I said the problem because I said to her, like, we have a very small bale wrapper and like it takes ten inch bales. She's kind of like thinking I'm funny and. I said, well, I said, we're kind of weird. Like, we have a beef steer and a dairy cow. Like He's one not of a each. steer well, yet. Not yet no. But I said, like, one of each. And she's like, yeah. Like, I said, like, a lot of farms, just big farms. And, that, and I think that's different. Like, there's plenty of people that have a single beef cow. Guys with a couple acres will throw a beef cow to finish them off in the field, stuff like that. Um, 
we are doing something I think vastly different than a lot. Like even some of the other people that are into small dairy production throughout Canada and the U.S. are still like twenty head of cattle and da da da. Like you know what I mean? To have one, there's we're among how many people? Yeah, not count, many. count not, through the homesteaders, and many. half of them have a dairy cow at best. Well, and I would even say like they most of them probably don't have one dairy cow. I would say the people who do have dairy cows have more than one, wouldn't you say? I think possibly to cover dry periods. Yeah. They'd stagger breeding. But like, they're not, my point is like, they're not milking 12. No. It's like one, one or, or two, two. One or two. Yeah. I mean, there's plenty of people doing a bunch of goats. Goats are, I don't want goats. No. But that's the, um, and that's just it. Like I said to her, like, this is weird. So uh, also on the weekend we were, um, as we were kind of like wrestling with this thing, we're both kind of flipping through every book that we have on every subject. We have quite the collection of homestead books now. So the one that I was reading is a new one that we picked up a little while ago. It was like the encyclopedia of... Oh no, you're going to... Oh, yeah. I still... I So I tried this to look was, for this, this section. You go ahead. because This was my recommendation. I didn't read this. So I was reading through this, the dairy section about how to have a cow that won't let down. And I tried... We I, have one of those. And I suggested to you that perhaps you should try this technique in this old book. I didn't read it. Hannah did. Hannah, yes, I passed it over to Hannah, and then I read it out loud. Um, it, it suggests that if you can't get the cow to let down, to actually just go ahead and pop that thing right in your mouth. And no, thank you. <laughs> to simulate a calf nursing, and he said, like, it will absolutely let the milk down. Can you imagine if all of a sudden you got a gush of hot milk down your throat with a cow's teat in your... No. That's... <laughs> Not what you signed up for? No. That... I, st I still want to try the cinnamon and maple syrup in the warm milk. Like fresh, 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 fresh. You know, here's the thing. I could pour a glass of cold milk into a mug and put it in it the up. microwave and heat it up. But and that wouldn't bother you? And that wouldn't bother me. But drinking like body temperature milk fresh out of the cow. And a cow's body temperature is a little warmer than ours. It is, yeah. It, I don't know why that's unsettling. <laughs> It reminds me of that. It reminds me of that scene from Napoleon Dynamite when the old guy's cracking the eggs into the blender, and Napoleon like takes a a drink, and it's like orange juice and egg yolks. Do you remember that scene? I don't remember that scene. What they go to work on the chicken farm? Do the chickens have large talent? It's that scene, and they're drinking egg yolks and orange juice, and it and like the way that he drinks it and swallows the egg yolk like you can feel the egg yolk in your mouth in that scene like it's disgusting that's what a glass of hot teat milk makes me think of and also so the other one of my pastimes is i do the new york times mini crosswords mm. it actually said it, it, there was something that it was some i can't remember exactly the clue it was something about where the milk comes from so i put teat mm-hmm because I'm being accurate. Yeah. It doesn't come from the udder. It comes no. from the teat. That's right. And the answer was udder. Udder. Hmm. And I was mad. Hmm. Like, that's not where it comes from. That's where it is, but that's not where it comes from. Did you try boob? No, because that's not the same number of letters. U-D-D-E-R is five letters. T-E-A-T -E is only four letters. Boob is only four I th letters. I think I pluralized teats. I oh, think it was teats. Because it asks where the milk comes from. Yeah. Well, you, if, it's, if there's too many letters then you have in your head, you would just always add an S. Oh, cat fight. Literally. Yeah. So the, the new kitten, we've been, so when we get tiny, tiny bits of milk, we feed it to the kitten. Yeah. And Miko is trying to, our older cat is trying to get in on the action. So I think there's that's no a, milk. There's no right milk, now. but there, oh. the other day I, you were in the feed room and you heard something. You're like, what was that? Yeah. That was the kitten. Yeah. Getting his ass kicked. No, he was, he was fending. It was, and we still don't know. I think it's a boy. It was fending off Miko from the milk. Um. So we have a solution for our drying off period in winter milk. Did we finish our thoughts about teats and? <laughs> yeah, I think we were done there. Yeah, letdowns and. See, I, I, I just I like... just wanted to bring up that I read a book that said you should suck on a cow's teat. No thanks. If anybody has any other letdown suggestions, I am all ears. We typically try to let Lionel out. Yeah, which so tends to work. We have only been using two of the tea um, cups. Like we have a four we claw. Four yeah, we have a four claw 
milker, but we've only been using two at a time because we were having a heck of a time getting it on. Like one would lose vacuum and the whole thing would fall off into the shit. And so just as a solution, we plugged two and then we were just using two at a time. Given all of the frustration and hours spent sitting on a milk crate trying to milk Ruby, I finally figured out how to get all four on. So when I milked her this morning, I, I got all four on firmly got her kind of like settled in because she was getting a little bit kicky so I got her settled in and then let Lionel out and it was like someone turned on a faucet it was just like whoosh and we've had it before where like when we're just doing two and he comes on and latches onto the to a to one Mm -hmm. of them and you can see the change yeah so that is one like that's one way to do it yeah we were done in seven minutes this morning so that was pretty slick that was good that felt like a win um the thing that we have to manage our drying off period is a freeze dryer. We're going to... We don't have it yet. We don't have it yet, but we're going to go so pick it up. We were down. We were running We were running around all over around town to pick up uh, furniture bought on Facebook Marketplace in Kijiji. Just Kijiji. Um, for the girls for the new house. So I had the trailer on. We were touring around. And whenever we get down St. Thomas Way, we always go, hmm, we could stop in Berry oh, Hill. It's like I said, we were having this discussion walking across the parking lot. I'm like, is this our favorite store? Yeah. Like, I think it kind of takes a little like, I mean, we go to Home Hardware and PV Mart a lot. You go- I like all of the bougie stuff in the front, but yeah. that's just not our style. Like the front of Berry Hill has like a Mugs home. Mugs with cheeky sayings on Yeah, them. like a home goods sort of like throw pillows and. Please don't pee in our pool. We don't swim in your toilet signs. Like, <laughs> it's that, a little that, bit classier than that. But no, but they have like. Yeah, they also have those. But like <laughs> wooden bead garlands and like. Christmas is awesome. Fru-fru kind of stuff. Christmas is awesome there. Yeah. Like they, they're they the place that, well, you asked them last time. It, it's She's like, it is more than a month's work to convert the store over for Christmas. Yeah, they're probably already. like They're thinking about it. No, they have to have all of their stock by yeah. like for sure September because the, that place is jam-packed. But they have like every every chicken supply, whether it's hatching eggs, washing eggs, like keeping chickens, feeding chickens, wa- automatic waters. They've got every supply you'd need for a beehive. Um, maple syrup supplies. They've got everything you need for maple syrup. like Barbecue stuff. Yeah, literally like all of the, I said like it's almost, I don't even know. It's it's all of our favorite stores in one place, and they it, have I mean, very beautiful Italian linen clothing, and they had this cute jumper that I've been thinking about since the last time we were there. So that was the reason why I wanted to go. Yeah. So we uh, when we were down in ended St. up Thomas, costing us a freeze dryer. <laughs> we mentioned because they didn't have one on the floor. We mentioned like, is this like just curious uh, from a, like we're we're a little curious here. Like, is this something that like I can just drive down and pick up, or is this something like we have to order in? She's like, oh, no, they're hard to get a hold of. She's like, we've got a new shipment coming in any day now. I'm like, okay, well, can I put my name down for one of them? Because, I mean, now knowing that they're kind of like, they're tough to get a hold of. Like, we were going she to She created get urgency yeah, and she, you, she got you. Hook, she set line, that, and she sinker. She set that hook right in my. So, yeah, we're, uh, so we, yesterday we put our name on a, on a, uh, on a extra large harvest rate freeze dryer. And this afternoon while we were hanging out with the boys. I got a phone call and said, Barry Hill. And I was like, oh, I guess we just bought a freeze dryer. So <laughs> so in the next day or two, I'm going to go pick up a freeze dryer. I have to take the trailer because it's, it's trailer sized. It's pretty big. I am excited that we are getting a freeze dryer still in strawberry, strawberry season. <laughs> I knew I'm, you were going to yeah, say strawberries. I'm going to do a whole load of freeze dried so, strawberries. So you should take some of those ones and throw them in the freezer right now. Yeah. Totally do that. Because one trick That was my said, plan for them anyway. The one trick they're getting they said is, a little tail into the pre-freezing them speeds up the freeze dry process because yeah. i not also frozen. have a bunch of milk that i have pre-freeze and colostrum and colostrum which i think will be i'm pretty excited about that because of the gut healing properties that colostrum um provides uh i just don't know if the bags that i have it frozen in will fit in the trays just said i might have to break it up because it, it might, it'll probably not fit in the trays. Yeah, but ours is bigger than ours. Right, but even then. <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm being cheeky, but... Even then, so... Yeah, that's not a problem. I'll just use the... Ba- I'll uh, get a bandsaw. We'll just run through bandsaw. It's actually not a bad idea. Take them down to Ralph, to uh, Adam. I don't... I 
I don't think that's a good idea. That's can the butcher we, shop. We're not we, taking our frozen milk. Can, to can the we put this frozen saw. milk through your bone saw? <laughs> this frozen raw milk through your bone saw? <laughs> no. Uh, he, already, he he was already thinking I was crazy going down asking him for some of the cuts that I was asking him for for barbecue and stuff. Like I kept going and asking for brisket and having to order it. And now it's on the damn sign. I'm like, yeah. I was just two years early, dude. Like, yeah, you're ahead of the curve. As with most things, we are ahead of the curve. Um, so the other thing that was on my list was to talk about the Canada Day, Canada Day, and the workout that we did for Canada Day. Day, and the 24 Hours of Heroes workout that we hosted and you did on Saturday. Um, we waited until uh, the clock struck balls Amazon hot at 1 p.m. before we started that workout. Everybody met at noon and I was blown away by the number of people that showed up. Gord said that he thought that there was going to be 50 people here. Like, Gord, what are you talking about? Like, there's no way 50 people are going to come at noon on Canada Day to come and do this horrendous workout. They didn't know what it was, to be fair. And I was, so I I was, honestly, I was a bit dismissive because I was like, there's that's, there's not that many people going to show up. Uh, and like, where are we going to put all those cars? Um, well, 50 people showed up. Cars were triple parked out in the field As not like asked, out in the field but like a couple of people i told like they just pulled up to the farm gate they didn't go out into the field um and a couple, a couple of people as they pulled in they're like where should i park i'm like anywhere because we're gonna get blocked in don't mess up the hay yeah just yeah, stay off the grass stay off the hay i don't give a shit about the grass stay off the hay <laughs> it's just grass you can park on my lawn don't park on my hay it's just grass <laughs> my priorities have changed haven't you should have told them out front here where all the where our uh, green greens are gonna go because there's some area there. Yeah, but, but there's fence boards there. So, a few cars. so they did, um, we hosted Gord and the 24 Hours of Heroes crew and um, Andrew Goff from, formerly from London Police Services, who works for a, he started a veterans support, veterans and first responders support um, the non, VA. nonprofit called the VA, V-E-H. The Veterans and Everyday Heroes. Yeah. And so he spoke a little bit about his experience with PTSD and another gentleman, his name was John. He wrote a book about living with PTSD and how it affects your family and the trickle down. And another woman, um, I want to say her name was Lisa. Pretty sure. Her brother died by suicide a couple of years ago and she told his story. So it was a, a powerful event that I was not emotionally prepared for. Like, not that I ever am because I always ball my eyes out when we have these events um but I think also like uh, I'm sure she wouldn't mind my sharing this but our coach Kate is also um I don't want to use the word retired but she is uh not with London Police Services former London Police yeah she's not with London Police Services anymore because of her um workplace injury stress injury and just kind of like Knowing what Kate has gone through in the last couple of years, it's it's powerful. And she shared a bit of that as well. She shared her story um, on Saturday. And I think knowing what she's gone through and being with her for the past couple of years and kind of walking alongside her with how much she's had to advocate for herself. You just see how muddy the waters are and how difficult it is for um, veterans and first responders to get any kind of resources and then Andrew Goff um talked about you know a bit uh I think he I can't remember what he called it like a, a secondary trauma where you've advocated for yourself you've gotten resources for yourself you've gotten yourself out of you know the stress and and maybe a situation where you felt like dying was a, a good solution a reasonable solution to ending the pain and so you've gotten yourself all out of that now. And now WSAB is telling you that you are good to return to work. And so now your secondary trauma comes from being told that you're good to return to work when you know that you're not. You're not going to be well, okay he, if he you said, go back to work. He said five different doctors that he had worked with for a extended periods of time each all said like, no. You're not going back and to then work. He said the WSAB doctor looked at his file yeah. and was like, yeah, you're, it's all you're, good. You're good to go. And so now, um, I, I don't know his full story, but it, he kind of made it sound like, 
you know, he's fighting with WSIB to not return to work. And so the secondary trauma comes from him feeling like, you know, he's blowing things out of proportion. He's milking the system. He's, you know, we're being with traumatic. And, and I know that that's kind of the place where Kate is in in her journey. And he kind of said something that I think probably hit Kate square between the eyes. He said, it doesn't matter how long you were in the service. It's about what you experienced while you were in the service. And I think also like how your trauma was managed when you experienced it. Like if you were told you're fine, get back in the car, like pull yourself together, get back out there, buck up, all of those things rather than hearing, why don't you take a day? That must be really, I can't imagine what you're going through right now. Take some time, process. We're here for you. We got you. Like that is, that doesn't take any more effort. The problem I think is they've got that culture of you just have to go back at it. Like it's the same problem that like. But how many police officers and veterans have to die by their own hand before the system the powers that be realize that that isn't working i hate to i hate to put a negative and somewhat conspiratorial thing on that i don't think they care I, that just i know I, yeah i why does anybody at all at, like want to be a police officer anymore and we have a lot of them in our gym like well and and, and how many Kate, do you know that are leaving eric luke um Bree, we have so many police officers that are in our circle that all say empathy and compassion makes all the difference in the world. And Rob is a local OPP guy and he is like, he's the most compassionate and empathetic and sweetest human being I've ever met. And he, you know, he talks about like, being the guy that people want to see after they've had a traumatic call because he has such a, a warm and comforting presence that like he doesn't have to know what happened he doesn't have to know what went on to know that what you experienced shook you and you don't have to talk about it you just i'm here i got you and he talked about um i don't know if this was a story that he was involved in directly or if he was retelling a story but he was saying how um when a when an officer is involved in a an event where they've had to discharge their weapon that that gun is now a part of the investigation so obviously like it needs to be taken into evidence and he said you know when the officer is asked to hand over their gun they feel like they've done something wrong. They automatically feel like the sergeant or whoever takes their weapon. It's punitive. Is punishing them because they've done something wrong. But it's very, like, obviously it needs to be examined. So Rob said, and I don't know if this was a mentor of his or somebody, he was just retelling the story. He said, like, you know, what should happen is the person who's taking it is saying, here's my service weapon i i'm gonna give you mine but i just need to take yours and and submit it into evidence just so that they don't feel like give them a replacement because like you talk to anybody who is a police officer that gun and that badge are so symbolic and so to having that stripped from you when you've been in it you can imagine how that's just like you know death by a thousand cuts right like that's just one more thing right that You've done something wrong to the point where I need to I need to punish you by taking your gun until you're proven innocent. Oh, we got a visitor. <laughs> He's not quite as loud as he used to be, but yeah. So I think just like you know, I can't speak about any of these things on a personal level because obviously I'm not a police officer, I'm not a first responder, I'm not a veteran, I'm not a you know clinical psychologist. I've never experienced. PTSD but I think we've been around 
enough people and supported enough people who are in those situations to know that like something's got to change. I think we're seeing it. I mean, we have almost as many former police officers as we have police officers. Yeah, that should tell you something. Like they and I like you can look at it. And I mean, last couple of years aside and everything, like there's a lot of people that have said like this is it. I I said it to Rob. I said I said it to to Luke actually when he when we were doing hey when Luke was hanging out. I said to him like. I said the problem, Luke, is like policing isn't what you sign. The policing today isn't what you sign up for. Yeah. I said I think like everybody has a very like Sesame Street esque idea of a police officer walking the beat, saying hi to all the people, and that's not what it's becoming. Well, and I also think that you get some of the good ones that feel like they can affect change inside the system, and that is a big monster. Well, and and I feel bad because you you see them with their like shiny eyes and their idealistic point of view that like they're going to be able to get in there and and be one of the good guys but i think the problem is is that there's still too many of the bad guys in there spoiling like like when someone says that they want to go into policing i i never want to just discourage somebody from chasing that if that's what they want but like i just hope and pray i'm not the praying type but yeah hope and pray that they leave with their soul intact yeah and as i say like i don't think that the, the, the idea of being a police officer i think is that very like service doing this thing for my community da, 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 mm-hmm. and i don't think that that's what it ends up being anymore no unfortunately. It's, it's 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 doing like a lot of things against what you think is the proper thing to do i mean not the least of which is some of the bus on addicts and stuff like that you're like that's not going to help the problem here no. and then of course they all i said this to the police officer when we got broken into at my office i said to her i'm like she's like well at least we got the guy and i just looked at her and i said you and i both know that within 24 hours he's going to be back out there doing this again and mm-hmm. she was like yep yeah and, so, I mean, if, she wasn't so if gonna, that's your job if that's your like, your day in and your day out how demoralizing is that they, i think yeah. i have a completely different view of police officers now that we know so many of them and we've heard so many stories about what actually happens in the, in the city and what's actually happening on the road and how how um, virtually powerless they are and how vilified they are. So let's, I, let's move on because I feel like we're going to get too deep into the weeds if we keep so going. So Gord had a buddy who was on the verge of taking his own life. Mm-hmm. And uh, through a lot of talks with him, uh, he designed this workout. He tested here a while ago. And mm-hmm. I was asking Gordon, uh, on like th- Thursday or Friday, I was texting Gordon. I'm like, so what's the workout anyways, man? Not even realizing it's the one that they tested here. And I knew what yeah. that was. So Chasing Monsters is the name of the workout. It is 500 burpees for time with a partner. The first 100 you can split however you'd like. The second hundred for every time that you swap partners. So if you do one and one, like or you have to pay a penalty every time you switch. So like you could do fifty and fifty and pay the penalty once. You do twenties and pay the penalty five times. Um, the first, the second hundred, so hundred to two hundred was was five push-ups. The next hundred was ten air squats, and the last was uh, hanging, hanging knee raises. raises. And then the last hundred was so the whole thing was done with a weight vest, which. I ain't getting involved in that. I just did it without. It was hard enough. I'm like, I was thinking about it the other day in the shower. I'm like, as I was like, my arms are a little bit sore. And I'm like, there's no way I could have done it. No. Like the I, that, vest constricts your yeah. breathing so much. And especially with burpees, like rubbing up and down. Yeah. And, um, and then the last hundred. So from four to 500, you drop the vest um, and do them synchro. Mm-hmm. And then what they wanted everybody and what happened and it was beautiful. Although I wasn't able to participate because I was the second last finish and I didn't have a lot more burpees. I did a few here and there, but I was not doing burpees one for one. The idea is if you're early finisher, you join in another team and just keep going Mm -hmm. until basically the last team finishing has everybody else doing like sympathy burpees, so to speak Mm -hmm. with them. And that idea of like people kind of joining in the fight with all these people. And which was, I mean, there's been plenty of symbolic workouts in CrossFit and in 24 Hours of Heroes and all of this. And I think that one in particular has kind of hit something. I think that's something special. Yeah. 
Not the least of which is doing 500 freaking no. murders. No, that hit really hard to see like 50 people at the end all like circled up together doing burpees to to help out with the last team finishing. And it was, Mitch. yeah, yeah, um, it was, it was pretty powerful. Yeah. I think it goes without saying that I was crying. <laughs> I, I was I I, I I might have been, but you wouldn't have been able to tell because I was sweating so bad because it was brutal. Well, because you were crying because you just did five hundred yeah. burpees. Well, so, um, are we ready to move on from that, or is there more that you want to say? No, nah, we can go. It was a pretty special day. I'm I'm thankful to still, even though I I'm not as heavily involved with Twenty Four Hours of Heroes as I once was. I don't have the bandwidth to be involved with Twenty Four Hours of Heroes. Like I once was. Like, Gord and I would plan all year for an event, and I just don't have that. I don't have that capacity anymore. But I'm thankful to still be involved in some capacity. Yep. So, I appreciate Gord asking to come do stupid shit in our gym. <laughs> stupid but important shit. So. Stupid workouts for an important cause. There you go. <laughs> that should be the byline. <laughs> Well, they can have that. We'll send it over to them. So earlier in the week or late last week, when I posted episode 13, that episode 13 was up on Instagram, I also posted um, what people would like to hear us talk about this week. So we have some listener questions. I'm always astounded when people say like, hey, I've been listening to the podcast. I'm like, really? I just, we record it not really thinking that anybody's going to listen to it. It's just us being idiots and... Having a good time. Um, we still haven't talked about the bees. We haven't talked about checking up on our bees. How much we time have, we got? We don't have too much more. Well, we checked up on the bees a couple weeks ago. I we got, were a little bit concerned about them because we didn't see any brood. And it was hot on the heels of me coming from Earth and Honeybee and seeing what was in their hives or what wasn't in their hives. And looking at our frames and kind of going like, eesh. Like this looks like theirs. We have no brood. There's no queen cells. There's like just honey. And they weren't building out past the, the four inner nuke frames. So then we checked them again a week later and we found brood. We found babies. So the the hive one looks good. I was back there because the, I moved, sorry, also coyotes. I moved yeah. the coyote trap. Um, which was near where the bees were. So while I was out there, I kind of noticed. Hive 1 looks good. There's a lot of action in front of it, a lot mm -hmm. of bees hanging out. Hive 2 doesn't look so good. So, so maybe we should sure. go back there tonight and have a peek when we're done. I don't know about today, but... Yeah, it, it's... Yeah, it'll be good. We can go back there now. It's 10 after, 10 after 9. So, yeah, we have to keep looking on in on the bees and making sure that they're doing well. But yeah. we're kind of like... We're not... We're not humming along quite <laughs> quite the way i had hoped at this point in the season but we'll get there patience if we get a little bit of honey and they make them till spring i'm happy yeah um so questions from our listeners uh one listener asked if we would be preserving food in the fall so i think we kind of answered that with our freeze dryer question i also um can a few things here and there so we'll be canning some food. Depends on what actually comes out of the garden. I think yeah. we'll have a, a obscene amount of tomatoes. So they'll be canning some tomato sauce my, for sure. My goal this year in the garden was to be able to get about 30 or 40 cans of tomatoes. One thing that I would like to get is one of those like mills to take the peels off the tomatoes. Because I didn't take the peels off the tomatoes last year. And then the sauce that we made with those tomatoes like the skins are just a little bit too like leathery like they get in your teeth and sorry say that again Le no. lean into the mic a little bit more no. so um, yeah we'll be preserving some food we'll use the freeze dryer we'll do some canning i like to can peaches every year that's yeah, one so of my you buy peaches things. and can them um well, there is one jar of peaches left. yeah so we, we're going to have to ration those because peaches don't come on until like end well, of august beginning of september you can buy peaches in the grocery store right now yeah, but they... They're I'm, not terrible. They're and not, I'm not canning peaches. Oh, you're no, just like for fresh For fresh peaches. Yeah. Like when we do a peach pecan scrambler. Yeah. I've been using fresh peaches the odd time now. Um, that and tomato sauce are big ones that we do. Um, so obviously we have the freeze dryer now. So we're going to start yeah. freeze drying a lot more things. Somebody, she also asked if we would be canning milk. Now, the problem with canning milk. So if you're canning acidic foods like fruit and vegetables... 
if you're canning something that's not so acidic, like say beans, then you have to add vinegar. You have to add some kind of acid to make it, um, yeah, acidic so that bacteria like botulism can't grow. Um, now foods like, you know, soups and stews or meat or, um, milk is alkaline and you can't add acid to that. So you need to, um, can it at a higher pressure or a higher temperature. And in order to do that, you need to add pressure. So you have to pressure can alkaline foods. Which Barry Hill sells a pressure canner. Yeah. But then kind of in thinking about it a little bit more, then it's not raw milk anymore. Then it's no. like, then you're, talking about milk now. you know, essentially pasteurizing the milk. So I think a better plan for preserving the milk is to freeze dry it because yeah. then it, it maintains the integrity of the the raw milk. It's not superheating it to, to can it. To so yeah. I mean it. that, and that's where you like this is this is the things this is kind of the re, like all of the farm things that we're doing this is exa- an extension of it these are all of the things that our grandparents just knew mm-hmm. well for that we do they didn't have freeze dryers do you want to know how they just knew it they killed a family member with botulism <laughs> that's how they just knew it so it's like the it, the stakes were high like i'm worried about killing a cow and a calf these People yeah. were like, well, oh, it could potentially kill my family. It, it was fine. They had seven kids anyways. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, the other question that she asked was about glassing eggs. So we actually, we actually did that. We actually water glassed some eggs last year. And we used them recently because our chickens have been on strike and getting old and crotchety and not laying eggs. So I actually opened the jar of water glassed eggs from last fall. And some of them, I don't know whether they were cracked when they went in or whether they burst in the jar, but there was a couple of them that were broken and smelled horrific. (laughs) You can imagine how that smelled. Somebody's a super smeller though. It was pretty nasty. And so I took out the cracked ones and then rinsed all of the other eggs and changed the water and... Put kept, them back in. Yeah, put them back in, but then we needed eggs again. So I did the same thing recently. And um, I, I don't know if another one had broken or one was broken before and I missed it, but same thing happened. So I ended up throwing out, you know, two or three eggs. So maybe the shelf life isn't quite as long as, but and I also think we didn't store them in the best place because we no. had them on the open shelf right above the stove. So they yeah. probably got hotter than they would have liked. Oh. I think if they were stored in a cooler place, they might have lasted a little bit longer. But yeah, so once we get the freeze dryer, we're going to have to, well, like, I would love to clear that whole little room out and set up an area for the freeze dryer and then do some more like organized way for pantry stuff. Mm -hmm. So water glassing eggs is um, adding pickling lime to water and uh, Google the recipe. Like I, you're not pickling the eggs. It's pickling lime. It's pickling lime. Full egg in shell, completely raw. Yeah. Unwashed. Clean, but unwashed because it still needs the bloom on the outside because the lime has to react with the bloom and the bloom is uh, like a cuticle that, so when the chicken lays the egg, it is wet. And then when it air dries, when that bloom air dries, it actually seals the egg. And this is where commercial egg farmers, egg production, In gets it wrong. Because they wash the eggs and they wash that bloom off. If you have clean, unwashed eggs, they can sit out on the counter for weeks because the the egg is essentially sealed as soon as you wash that bloom off the egg shell becomes porous and all kinds of bacteria and whatever can get inside now it's permeable right but with that bloom on it's it's sealed so bloom stays on you're gonna put your your eggs into your lime water solution gently lowering them into your jar and then filling them filling the jar with your lime water solution and then just let it sit and the lime reacts with the bloom to to seal the egg what i did notice so i did crack them into a bowl before i put them into whatever it was that we were making pancakes or whatever it was and they're a little bit more watery i don't think that that's that that we a lot of our eggs were just that way really oh yeah i don't know they're pretty soupy but they didn't stink and they tasted fine so we're still alive so we did that so we water glass eggs we do canned food we won't be canning milk, but we will freeze dry some milk and colostrum. Um, another listener asked about uh, our favorite wine. <sighs> I miss wine. I haven't been able to drink as of late. 
like more than one glass of wine and I feel like I've been hit by a bus and it's just not worth it to me. Like I am far too busy to be feeling sick and hungover after a couple glasses of wine. So I, while I do enjoy wine, it's, it's a bit of a shame because we can't finish a bottle and you know, it's just too bad. But our favorite winery, we have two in, in Niagara on the Lake Ontario that we really, really like. Big Head Wine is one that we found a while back and have been big fans ever since. We have a wine club membership at Big Head. And then and our other, the other winery that we have wine club for is DeSimone Vin- Vineyards in Niagara on the Lake as well. And um, small wineries like won't find their wine in the LCBO. You have to buy it right from the, right from the source. We just like what they're doing. They're, they're both kind of like Willy Wonka winemakers where they're just doing, especially Big Head, uh, Andres Lipinski at, at Big Head is a bit of a wizard when it comes to wine. And I think he's just willing to do what take risks. What's that? Take risks. Yeah. He's willing to take risks. He's willing to do what most people aren't with wine. And he's not asking anybody's permission for anything like, oh, that's not the way that we traditionally, he doesn't give a shit. He's just like, I'm going to do it anyway. And just, I just really like their, their style, their ethos, just they're, they're great. So my favorite two right now from those two is Big Head's Cabernet Franc is amazing. Mm Mm-hmm. And the Dismone's Merlot. Oh, and we dynamite. don't we don't like Merlot. No, in general. No, I think the Cab Franc is an amazing. So you have a hard time finding good Cab Franc outside of like I think Niagara in general, but it's kind of like a cooler red wine grape. And it's got that funk, like that yeah. funky. So Cab Franc is absolutely my favorite grape in general for wine. It's just not that common, so I often end up with a Cabernet Sauvignon. Um, the, but that Cab Franc in particular, this last vintage, whatever's on the shelf right now, is an amazing Cabernet Franc. And then also that the Merlot was the first, like, we both, like, we try we try all the Merlots. When we go, we taste everything. And it was like, we both took a sip of that and we're like, oh, wait a second. Yeah. This is a Merlot. Yeah. Because typically we're not a big good. fans of Merlot, but that one it was Whose just... Chardonnay did we have the other night? Was that a big head Chardonnay? I made risotto, so sometimes we open a bottle of white wine when I need it for cooking, and it was a pretty stellar bottle. I think it was Big Head. Yeah, I think so. And it was this, like, vanilla bourbon, like, from the the barrels, from the the oak barrels, and it was just, it it lingers on your tongue a little bit, almost like a a creme brulee. Like, oh, that was pretty dynamite. We don't drink a lot of white, though. No, but I do enjoy a glass of white wine from time to time. Like, I do love wine. I don't like the way it makes me feel lately. And I don't know if that's, if it's my age, if my liver's just like, you know, girl, we had a good run, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna just peace out. Like, I don't know if I need to do some kind of like liver detox or transplant. Like, I don't know. I just. I don't think you'll make it on the transplant. I want to enjoy more wine. Can I get a new liver? I mean, that's pretty legit. Like. (laughs) I don't know. I feel like I could go to Texas or something and say that and they'd be like, right this way. Like, and give me a gun on my way out. <laughs> and, and, <laughs> here, and here's here. your Colt 45. Um, yeah. The, one of the other questions was favorite workout, but we've already talked about that. Uh, and gym pet peeves. So why don't we end on this? You go first. Gloves. Oh. <laughs> 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 yeah we don't do that here not a fan um my gym pet peeve is uh when people try to sandbag the workout because they don't want to when they're just like I get it. You have shitty days. Like some days you just like showing up is enough. But when people and 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 I honor that if someone's just like, I am just not having the best day. I'm here. But if someone is like just taking the easy route because they're being lazy or they're just like effing around, I give them the gears like I make them. I tell them that they're going to It's like I can think of one in particular who 
always tries to grab the easy bike or, you know, tries to like not run at all costs or, you know, just circumvent like, no, you're doing it. And, and I don't know that it's so much a pet peeve, but it's like, it's rewarding afterwards to say to the athlete, like, I'm in a great mood today. And that means I'm not going to let you short sell yourself. Because I think that's, that's where the like, that's where the, the magic happens where you say to somebody like, I'm not going to let you sell yourself short. You're capable of this. You can do hard things. Put on your big girl panties. Let's rock and roll. I I think so. Maybe my pet peeve is the self doubt when people doubt themselves. Here I thought it was dumping empty barbells. Oh yeah, that pisses (laughs) me off too. (laughs) I think at this point everyone knows not to do that though, and and I think that's like that's accidental. That's not like when people dump empty barbells. That's accidental. No one does that on purpose anymore. It's certainly not here. Not in our gym. Not in my gym. (laughs) All right. Yeah, if someone dumped a, an empty barbell on purpose, I'd start their car for them. They're right this way. Let me pack your bag. <laughs> you don't even go here. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> I'm burying you. Yeah, 100%. 100%. All right. All right, are we done? Yeah, I think we're done. Okay, next week. Okay.